episode four uh at the, last at last yes i know there was a little bit of a break in that and uh you know contrary to all the rumors we all are still alive and survived dc and we are ready to rock and roll with another episode and uh we're going to start off with steve because apparently he's chomping at the bit to tell us something I, well, well you know i've had i've had this on my mind and you're going to see it's it's actually two things but one kind of rolls into the other so the first is a compliment will because i, I don't know if a, the creative process here. Um, over the last three episodes, we don't really um, do anything about the title of the episode, Harry and I. You've been doing that on your own, and you. I, I just wanted to say you've done a great job. I, I, when I see the episode pop up and I see the, the, the name of the episode, I'm like, he nailed it again. This is perfect. <laughs> it's just absolutely perfect. But the problem is, and I've been, so I've been wanting to tell you that since episode two, right? I've been wanting to say, hey, Will. The, the, the episode titles, man, you're hitting the mark, really love it, shows a lot of creativity. But here's the problem. I can't talk to you as much as I used to. And you even said something to me on the phone yesterday. Everything okay? We haven't really spoken much. Because I'm afraid to talk to you and tell you something that I'm supposed to say <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> so I have a, now I have a little list of stuff, things to talk to Will about in the podcast. So I've been wanting to tell you about the episode thing, but I haven't been able to because... I, I wanted to do it now instead of telling you and then ruining it. So great job, Will, on the episode titles. And you suck because I can't talk to you anymore because I have to save it for the podcast. We could still talk, you know, just sometimes we got to cut some of the conversations slightly well, short. I do it to Harry all the time. I'll be like, yeah, wait, that's wait. what's been happening. Stop, no, yeah. stop, stop. We can't talk about that right now. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, save, save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I ran around like, you know, we were busier than a three-legged cat trying to bury a turd on a frozen pond during D.C., so we had no time to talk then. No, there's a lot of cliches in that statement you just made. I, oh, I, well. I, I go with the stock, you know, long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah, I've yeah, never the, heard of any of those. No? No. Nope. no. Definitely not yours. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like one of those where I kind of combined a few of them together and just uh, just to get where I uh, where I wanted to be. You know, it take, it's taken many years to uh, 
to get that out in one you know in, in one breath. You know, <laughs> it's not it's not easy to not easy to do. So, but uh, yeah, Harry, Harry, you got anything you want to update us on before we dive into what we're drinking? Uh, anything to update on? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm uh, uh I got a new Dixon. Uh, there's That's that. Cool. Okay, okay. Yep. It, you I, had no idea I had no idea where that was going. I got a new <laughs> Dixon. <laughs> he did. He did a weird pause there. Dixon flannel. Got a new Dixon there we go. flannel. There we go. Which one'd you get? Uh, the Hot Harley Knights. Okay. It was uh, blue and purple. They came out with it years ago. It's for, uh, uh, I think it's like a, a promotion for like the Harley. Davidson dealer in like Sioux Falls or something like that. Okay. Okay. And I, uh, went away. Like I, I saw it somewhere and then like it was gone again. And now they just re came out with it. So I grabbed it, even though it's 90 degrees outside. I know. I listen. I've been, I've been enjoying riding with them. You know, it's, uh, you know, I live here on the beach. So uh, when it, when it drops at night, yeah, yeah, it drops at night. And uh, I bought, I just got my third one when they did the Memorial Day sale. I picked up the uh, Widowmaker. Uh-huh. And I've been looking at it and looking at it. I'm like, man, do I really want to pay, you know, $59 for this thing? And then I'm sitting out here and I got an alert from uh, the email. Like, hey, we're doing a sale. And, you know, I looked up. I wound up paying with the the sale and the code we have for the veteran code they have. I wound up paying $32 with it shipped. It was beautiful. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. Still, you know, listen, I keep one in the in the road glide, one in the uh, soft tail, and one in the house, you know. So, you go. I, know, I think I'm squared away right now. So, all right, man. Let's get into it, Steve. What do you? What do you well, we know what you are, but let's talk about what do you got tonight for us? What are you drinking? <laughs> well, I picked up the Lagavulin 11-year Nick Offerman edition a few weeks ago. And again, waiting for the podcast. So I just opened the bottle tonight. Um, it's finished in Guinness casks. Okay. Uh, and actually really, really good. I generally stick with the Lagavulin 16. I wanted to try this. Um, something really cool, the, the little, uh, you know, thing on the top that you have to peel off. Um, usually on a Lagavulin bottle, it's green. On this one, it's brown, and it has like a, a tan top, so it actually looks like a, like a like a pint of Guinness at the top of the mm. bottle. Oh, okay. Um, That's kind of cool. Really, really good tasting uh, single malt, and I'm loving it. All right. All right. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Nick Offerman and his his, his love for, uh, I always pronounce, Lavengul. Lagavulin. 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 I mean, I'm not, I, were you a fan of Parks and Rec? I know, I know Harry is, but were you a fan? I, I don't. I don't watch much television. Oh, you know, no. listen. I didn't want to watch it because I thought it was a ripoff of The Office, and Mary started watching it, and I was bashing it at first, like, ah, this is just a ripoff of The Office. Listen, and I, and I know I'll fire up some people saying it better than The Office. By, by leaps and bounds. I think the characters are better, but his love for for that drink, and then it was like, I think the final season when uh, when he when he left the job and he got like this map and a bunch of tickets and he didn't know where he was going, and uh, uh, um, Amy Poehler gave him like you know this it was a present for him, so he just kept getting on planes and boats not knowing where he was going, and it wound up taking him to the distillery at the end and it was like an emotional scene at the end when he comes he's on a boat and he comes around the lake and he just sees the factory sitting there so you know he uh he brought a lot of attention to that drink yeah it's like i said it's been my go-to to 16 it's been my go-to since 2007 when i was turned on to it by a a bunch of guys from belfast in it in italy long story 
won't get yeah, into right? that tonight. It's but interesting. But yeah, yeah, a bunch of guys from Belfast that I met in in Amalfi, Italy, and um, yeah, it's it's been my go-to for the longest time. But this um, this one is actually really really good. Now you, you're you're drinking something similar, correct, Harry? Yeah, I'm actually drinking the Lagavulin 16. Okay, finally. Uh, yeah. So right. Finally. So I, I got I got a housewarming gift from some, some friends of mine, and it was the bottle Lagavulin because the first time they had tried it was uh, my parents' house because I got turned on to it from Parks and Rec. Okay. That's how I found it. I used to when I was working nights in the city. I'd come home in the morning, I'd be sitting around, you know, breakfast, watching TV, and I think it was TBS, they ran, like, four hours of Parks and Rec, and that's how I wound up watching the whole show. Awesome show. Yeah, great show. Yeah, Nick Offerman is hysterical on it, all the characters are great. He is, his love for bacon. Yeah. And just his, you know... I keep saying if I go back to work, you know, if I ever say I want a county job where I don't really have to care so I can just hate everyone <laughs> and just yell at everyone, like, I, you know, just and talk bad about the government. Like, I yeah, love I think that's any government job, not a county <laughs> job. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, for me, I've got the uh, – this was also a housewarming gift. This actually was a housewarming gift from Steve. Uh, Slider bought it for me when we bought the house here in Maryland, and I, I never really got around to drinking it. And it is the, um, it's, it's a smoke wagon is what it is. It, it, I mean, the bottle, I can't even, if you've never seen the bottle, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, I did my normal research on it, you know, finding out all the things about it. It's, it's actually distilled in, in um, Nevada, in the desert in Nevada, but it's actually bottled and mixed in Indiana. A little confusing. Um, same company does uh, Angel's Envy, Bullet couple other ones uh you know i looked at the mash bill you know 60 percent corn all these cool things but the thing that stood out to me the most is on the bottle there's two cross guns on the bottle i'm like all right well if you look really really close because the bottle's very dark uh engraved and i, I know i'm gonna wreck this translation but engraved is Bib- bimimus mentorium est which denoting drink for we must die or according to the company drink and enjoy because because we won't be around forever. And I was like, that, this bottle just jumped a huge notch in my book. I mean, just based on, based on that, I'm like, that is pretty cool. And I went to Breakin' Bourbon, who is, you know, kind of my go-to for uh, what to expect when I'm going to drink. And, you know, they gave it a three out of five. And, and the, the guy who rated it had me kind of nervous because I don't like spicy bourbons. And he, he actually, I think the, the wording he used was um, it, it borderline, it's borderline overspiced. So I was really nervous. And I got to tell you, it's the first time that they did a review that I completely disagreed with. Like, I, I, don't, I don't find it overspiced. I think it's a, real, it's a real nice sipper. It's not a mixer. You're not making old fashions with this. But, uh, no, it's, absolutely uh, not. It's, it, it's, it's, an impressive, it's an impressive drink. I actually, before we... we he started recording tonight. I uh, mentioned to Slider that I'm going to need another bottle because apparently he has access to him because uh, I put a hurting on this thing. Myself and uh, uh, Compass put a put a pretty good hurting on this. Well, I've actually got two bottles in the house. I, I, if I could throw a plug in here, um, the little wine shop, the Village Wine Shop in Seacliff, New York, um, small little place. Michael, the owner, realizes he's not going to be able to compete with the big box stores. 
So he doesn't even try. He just brings in stuff they won't sell. And I was in there a couple of weeks ago, and he had a lineup of bourbons that I had never seen before. And I go, I said, Michael, I said, well, he goes up all new. You haven't tried any of them. You should probably work your way over from left to right. And, and that's what I did. Is his price he's good. good? He, you know, he's not. He's 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 competitive. It's 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 interesting. He's actually competitive. He doesn't hit you over the head um, at all. He's you know because that's the big problem right now. These these guys are they're they're getting a hold of these bourbons, but I mean, some of these prices. So like Mitchers is you know I, I get it locally here. I pay about forty dollars for the bottle, forty five dollars for the bottle. You know, and that's with a little bit of a markup. Like I think I see it in the in the on post, so that's no tax, no markup, and I see it there for like thirty nine or forty. And uh, there's this place near, you know, it's about a forty minute drive for me that I went to go check it out, and I walked in, and that was the first bottle I saw, and they had it up there for like seventy eight dollars, and I walked out, and you know, so I get a, you know, one of those notifications from Google, like you know, hey, you were at this place, you know, what did you think? And I wrote like, oh, selection was great, but I felt the price points were too high, and I guess the owner didn't really care for that, and he politely wrote you know wrote back on my my review that like you know well this is the the age we live in like i i don't know if i agree with that you know like that that's a, that's a heavy markup you know you know for, actually for an available actually, bottle actually i can honestly tell you um michael does not do that he he's he's competitive and in those rare occasions where he's got something that you see at a big box store i'm always surprised cuz i'm always like He's like two bucks more than them, you know, like, right. And, and, but you can't get what you get going to his store because he's really, really knowledgeable about everything, but he's, his forte is wine. And you could go in there and say, Hey, I'm having aardvark steaks for dinner with dirt pie sandwiches on the side and he'll <laughs> find, he'll find a wine that'll, that'll pair with it. Um, he does these little classes. We love the classes. We get <coughs> totally drunk and. Probably his worst students, but um, yeah, it's all good. Well, I'm going to apologize because apparently the uh, mosquito guy is coming through my neighborhood at the moment, so I don't know how well that's going to uh, record over our uh, session <laughs> right now. It's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I mean, but that's the big thing. So Mary went into a, a random liquor store today. She had to go get her hair done. You know, we're still getting ourselves settled in this area. So it's the first time in here. She goes, hey, there's a liquor store next by, next, next door. Cool. Check it out. Let me know. She walks in. She goes, uh, they've got the Elijah Craig, the uh, toasted barrel, which I have been looking all over for. So I said to her, I was like, all right, hang on. Boom, I go online. I'm like, it's a $49 bottle, you know, MSRP. What are they asking? She said $70. i am like, that's a fair markup. $20 is a fair markup for an independent liquor store. Mm -hmm. You know, so I got it. I'm excited for that one. That'll probably be the next episode. So uh, what, are you, uh, what, are you, what are you smoking tonight? Am I going first? Sure, sure, go ahead. I, I, <laughs> I have the uh, Tatuaje Old Man and the Sea. And what that is, is it comes in a little coffin. And the old man is a Lancero. And the sea, it's just, it's, it's a takeoff on Old Man and the Sea, S-E-A. But this is just Old Man and the Sea, the letter C. And it's a, um, if you've ever seen them, the three cigars wrapped up around each other where you have to kind of separate them it's yes. they call it a calibra okay yeah yeah um they it came into the sh into the into the uh cigar shop where i hang out 
And I thought, eh, a little, little bit of a, you know, a kind of a gimmick. But you know what? Let me try it. What the hell? Um, the price point was good. You know, like, you know, $48 and change. You're getting four cigars. Um, they only made 10,000 of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Divided into 1,000 cases of 10. And it's really, <coughs> it's really good if you don't mind. If I have to say anything negative, and I, I <coughs> it's actually, I'm sorry. It's actually their Fausto blend, which is a little stronger. Um, this this year they do this every you know every, you know every couple of years. Um, the only problem is the three that are wrapped together are in like this almost aluminum little container inside that you have to cut open and then cut the rope off them. It's like I actually said to Mike the the the, uh, the cigar guy at the at the lounge. I'm like, this better be worth the work I'm putting in here. Um, <laughs> And then, and then you don't smoke the Calibras while you're drunk because because they're wrapped around each other. They're, they're not straight. And if you're trying to light them and you've had a few, like the cigar is not right in front of your face. It's like, it's <laughs> up by your eyeball. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, you're, it's up by your eyeball. Um, but really, really good. Um, really enjoying it. So. Okay. Harry, are you, uh, are you smoking anything or are you indoors? Uh, no, I am indoors, but... Uh, speaking of Steve cigars, it reminded me of a joke. Oh boy! Okay. So, uh, what is a pirate's favorite letter? R. R. No, tis the C we love. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. Why are you uh, laughing? It was terrible. I believe it was told to me by uh, Gabriel Laudacina. Wow. I mean, I dropped a pretty bad dad joke this week, but I mean. I mean that's that that's a close second right there. Wow. Um, I say it I say it all the time. Amy hates it. Okay. Do you well. find do you guys find that you when you when your wife really dislikes something, you do it more? Oh, oh yeah. absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah. totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean okay. that's you know, I mean that's that's part of part of marriage, isn't it? I mean it's you know Yeah. Sickness and in health and to annoy forever, right? Something yeah, like I think that, those yeah. are the vows. Something, yeah, it goes something like that. You know, yeah. I don't know. I'll make sure I put that in the vows when I when I marry you and Amy. Oh, there you go. I got you. Well, I am. Uh, I succumb to. Uh, I, I don't even know how to put. It. I, I bought this Buffalo Trace cigar. It's a gimmick. It's a complete gimmick. Uh, cigar International is selling them. Um, they're in collaboration with the Kentucky-based whiskey maker. I'm like, oh, okay, let me check this out. I mean, it's in a, you know, they write it up all night. So it's an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper and a Brazilian Acaparica binder blended with real barrel-aged Dominican and Nicaraguan tobacco. Cost me about $8 a cigar. I will not be buying them again. Does it taste like an $8 cigar? It, it does not. I've had much better cigars for, for, for less money. It's, 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 I don't know what makes this a Buffalo Trace cigar. I swear, I think the only thing that makes this a Buffalo Trace cigar... The label. Is the label. Yeah. That's it. You know? And I mean, you know, I'm back on the, uh, you know, I'm back on the, the Buffalo Trace. You know, I I don't know. I don't think, you know, I don't think I've told the story that my bachelor party was a three-day camping excursion. Uh, <laughs> Harry, I still haven't forgiven you for the uh, paintball incident up there. Um, but that during that excursion... Nor, nor has uh, Aaron. <laughs> no, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. 
he's gonna hear that, and I'm gonna hear. I'm gonna get an email from him. Uh, but uh, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so yeah. So we had paintball guns up there. Aaron's truck got everyone's vehicle got paintballed. But Aaron decided in the middle of this party to take his truck and go wash it while we were all still sitting next to paintball guns. I don't know what man in his right mind thought he was going to drive back over there and not get repelted with paintballs, and he has never forgiven us. But in my defense, the paintballs that I brought, because I, I was in charge of bringing the paintballs, were all biodegradable, so they washed off very easily. Our good friend from the parent chapter, Duck, showed up with non-biodegradable paintballs, and they did not come off like of his truck oil-based paintballs yeah it was bad so in in, in well his i think defense, the, the worst part wasn't just the paintball paint it was the fact that the ones duck brought i think were made of metal i don't think they dented i think it, it was, <laughs> they, it was <laughs> there was there was some dents it was bad but back to my story so so um you know uh good friend bam bam there decided he was going to take a water bottle and he took a knife and he cut the top off the water bottle, put two holes in the side of it and made a sh so he could hold a string and made me wear it as a necklace and then just continuously poured alcohol in it. And any time it got low, he just poured more alcohol in it. Um, I mean, Steve, you and I have known each other many years. You've seen me drunk many a times. I don't throw up. I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. Harry, Harry throws up at a drop of a dime. He's a puke and rally guy. It's amazing. All the time. All the time. I have some funny pictures of it. But me, I don't throw up. I threw up that entire weekend, and at one mm -hmm. point, uh, Cracker was trying to get us to engage in the paintball, and no one really wanted to do it. We were drunk, and he was just being Cracker, and he was being annoying about it, and he was probably standing about eight feet from me when I picked up my paintball gun and shot him in the ass with it, and um, ha, 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 he ran away, shot him a few more times as he was ducking into the woods. Thinking it was all over, I sat back down, didn't realize it. He circled back around, crawled underneath his own car, came up the other side of it with his paintball gun, and pretty much ambushed us. And I remember jumping and, like, all of the alcohol just swishing inside of me as I hit the ground, as I was hiding behind a table, and there was a handle, a full handle of Buffalo Trace sitting there with a big paintball stain on it. And I got sick and threw up. And it, I haven't been able to drink Buffalo Trace since. I'm drinking it again now, you know, it's, you know, getting back on it, and I finally got a hold of a bottle, which, you know, I paid $43 at a local liquor store for a seven fifty, and then found an entire liter for $19 on post, but um, I'm back on the buffalo, or as, you know, Cody likes to say now, I'm the guy on the buffalo. The guy on the buffalo. Guy on the buffalo. You know, in, in, the, in, the, in case the... Uh Statute of limitations isn't over yet for that weekend. I just want to say there were allegedly may have been an AK-47 and explosives that weekend. Oh, there was maybe there was a, allegedly. Oh. allegedly, allegedly, allegedly there might have been an AK-47 and some explosives that weekend. Right. But, you know, I mean, should I dime you out, Harry, about how, how you how you completely turned into Benedict Arnold on that uh, on that trip? You can. However, anybody that really hears the story and knows, you know, a thing or two about Bam is going to agree with me. Like, it was, the, it was the smart choice to make. All right. So we're day three, final day there. We're still staying there that night. The It was a friend's property, had about five acres upstate New York. 
most of the time was just spent in our tents, sitting around drinking, shooting things. We had some good shooting competitions going, done very safely. A lot of fun. Third day, things are winding down. We asked the owner if we could take out his ATVs. And he said, yes. Yeah. So basically, you had this big lawn piece of property, and there was a, a, a tree line that separated the rest of his property. So Harry and I were basically doing this big circle, and you would go through the property, and there was a cutout in the woods, and you could take this little path through the woods and come back around the house and just keep doing it. So we did it once. Cool. Did it a second time. Cool. Third time, we're coming through, and I hear this whizzing going past my head, and I realize that it's Bam and, and Sneezy with paintball guns, and they're shooting at us as we're going by. Well, I'm on an ATV. Bam can't run. I know that. He can hit a target from, you know, a couple miles out, but he can't run. So I just hit the throttle, and I take off the ATV. Harry's behind me. We hit the cutout in the, uh, in the woods, and we're coming back around. Well, Bam, being the ninja that he is, is now coming through the woods. So he's cutting off our, our, our path at this point. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going for it. So I go flying through the woods. I hit this little curve. I go over this bump. Still manage to hold it up. Harry's behind me. I get through it. I look back. There's no Harry. So I stop. I'm like, oh, man, I hope Harry didn't crash. I hope he's okay. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. Oh, here we go. Here comes Harry on the ATV. No. It was not Harry on the ATV. As this wonderful ATV cleared the crest of the hill, there is Sneezy driving the ATV with Bam standing up behind him with the paintball gun. I've got no paintball gun to defend myself, so now I'm racing through the woods, ducking trees and ravines while these guys are chasing me, shooting at me with a paintball gun. Well, I can't let go, and Bam can hit a target from an airplane. So an ATV was nothing for him, so he's pelting the back of my hands and the back of my head with paintballs as I'm trying to get away. I'll never forgive you for that, Harry. You, you do realize that you, because it's Bam, you just said he can hit a target from two miles like you, you, like you said he can hit a target from across the room. And none of us were like, wow, two miles. It was like, of course it's two miles. It's Bam. I, I tell you, man, you know, you hear stories and, and, you know, our club is full of a lot of alpha males and a lot of guys who tell a lot of stories and they got big balls and they're the big dick in the locker room and all these stories and very few guys really ever get a chance to prove it. And, and that weekend I saw probably one of the most impressive things I've ever seen with Bam because we had a, a little shooting range set up at the bottom of the hill and we had uh, bowling pins down there. And we were all sitting around the fire trying to stay, you know, stay warm. And it wasn't night. It was evening. No, there was still light out. And Bam was talking smack with um, Adam Laudasenia, Goob's brother. Mm -hmm. And somehow... This bet—I don't even remember what the bet was, but the, you know what the reward was. But the bet was that Bam couldn't hit a bowling pin from what we measured was probably about a little over 60 or 70 yards away with a nine-millimeter Beretta. I'm sorry, nine-millimeter Glock. That was not his. Adam handed him that gun. So you're talking—it's a football field. Bam didn't stand up. He didn't get into a position. He was sitting in a chair and just leaned over took one shot, gave the gun a dirty look, and took another shot and hit a bowling pin from 60 yards out. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget watching that happen. I was like, man, I'm glad he's on our side. Yep. That oh, is, yeah. That is our band. Yeah, and then we, yeah, we had the explosive in the water. You know, safely done, very safely done. So, I thought the most impressive shot of that weekend was 
was it you that he hit with the paintball gun? Square yes. in the forehead at yeah. like 50 feet away? Yeah. So, so while you were ducked behind a car? So Sneezy, Aaron, shows up with like this tent that he could have housed all of us in. It was this ridiculous, it had like three rooms in it. And he set it up like way far away from us. So like all the cars were lined up and he was on the other side of the cars. And then it was like one o'clock in the afternoon and he still hadn't gotten up from the night before. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get him. They're like, yeah, yeah, go get him, go get him. So I walk over to get him, and I get about, you know, about 75% of the way there, and I start hearing the whizzing, and I look, and Bam's got a paintball gun, and he's shooting at me. So I had a paintball gun in my hand, so I'm like, all right, cool. I took cover behind this vehicle, and I, you know, I did like in the movies. I'm just laying my hand over the car and just randomly shooting at everyone. I know I'm not hitting anything, but no one's getting anywhere closer to me. So I poke my head up to see where everyone was. He had to be a good 30, 40 yards from me with a paintball gun, which we all know is not very accurate. And that son of a bitch hit me right square between the eyes. Under the brim of a hat. Under the brim of a hat. Under the brim of a hat. And I, like, yeah. I didn't stand up like, hey, guys, what's going on? All <laughs> I did was poke my head up so I could see. And it wasn't like I poked my head up and looked around to see what was going on. Like I po- and as soon as my head cleared that hood of that truck, boom. Right in the head, he hit me with that thing. And it was an impressive shot. Yeah. Hmm. God, that, that's our that's our bam bam. So, you know, but uh, you know, seeing we're we're talking uh, talking about all of our brothers in our club, we know we can cover a little uh, little DC action. DC was uh was quite successful this year with everything that we had to do at last minute to get that thing going. I think uh, I think I was pretty happy with the way everything went down. I, I I was actually very happy with the way it went down. Um, could have been a disaster. Could have been better weather, but yeah. Could have been better weather. Could have been a disaster, but wasn't. Um, I, listen, I, I I think we said this the weekend before the uh, podcast, before the weekend. We really needed this, um, you know, to, to be together and um, to put some of this nonsense behind us. Um, and I think that, the weekend lived up to its hype. It did. It didn't. I think, you know, one of the nicer moments, you know, you know, it's one of the things I love about Jack. Jack just stands and lets people come to him. And at one point I, I found myself over there talking to him and, and he was smiling. You know, Jack, he's got that, that, that big smile about him. And I'm like, what are you thinking about right now? And he goes, I'm just looking around. He goes, all my years of coming here. He goes, I don't think I ever remember seeing this many new faces here. Yeah, there were so many new people at it this year, and and you had all those new people, and there was no nonsense, there was no stupidity. Everyone got along, everything went well, you know. I mean, granted, you know, I I'm getting old, so you know, I was shutting it down at midnight. Unlike you know, usually I'd be sitting up at 3 a.m. with Goob arguing about who was going to go to bed first. But uh, you know, it it was a lot. It was a lot of new faces, and uh, you know, all the establishments were were. You know, they were great to us. You know, I mean, I don't know, you know, for the whatever. Ones that is, the ones that are still open. Well, yeah, we, there was definitely some stuff missing. But, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Billy, who is uh, owner of uh, uh, the Crystal City Gentlemen's Club, otherwise known as Steak and Legs, and the sports bar. He's part owner of the sports bar. Um, they really came up huge for us. You know, they opened the doors for us and welcomed us, and uh, they allowed us to throw our – uh, the old line party there Saturday night, and it was a huge, huge success. I mean, that was all put together in under a week. Mm-hmm. It was under a week that we had gotten the the airport had a parking lot that we were under the impression we were going to be able to use. And when 
it got close. The, they pulled the rug out from underneath us, and uh, I made a panic phone call to Janelle, who is the uh, general manager of Steak and Legs, and she uh, she was huge. She put me in contact with who I needed to talk to, and uh, they stepped up big for us. And it was funny. They, they called me the day I was leaving for, for D.C., so that Thursday morning that I was coming in, and he's like, oh, by the way, you know, we've, we've got a computer set up. If you want to have, you know, we've got something like 400 TVs or whatever they have in that room. He's like, we can put some pictures up if you want. So, like, the bike was running. I was like, all right. I ran back inside, and I put a handful of pictures that I had, like a file of pictures on a, on a disk drive, and I ran it out there. And uh, I had them running. And, like, they were from the parent chapter 25th anniversary and some stuff that I had. And... Um, Bobby Bullitt's wife was the one. She pulled me aside. She's like, where did those pictures come from? I'm like, I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. I just had a wife. She's like, there's pictures of Bobby and I've never even seen. <laughs> She's like, and they, some of the pictures that popped up, I had to apologize to people for, like, sorry, this is getting shown in public. But, you know, I mean, yeah. there was you know, some great photos up there, and, and, and everyone seemed to have a good time. They did a great job getting food. Nobody went home hungry. So much, the, much the love best, to Billy. I think you may have mentioned it already last week, uh, the best was when Fritz, yeah, <laughs> you know, referenced the 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 slideshow, and as we all looked up at the screens, it all it, it, there it was, Jeff, yeah. fuck cracker, fuck cracker, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the story behind that was Jeff posted up a picture. I mean, it's, we're going back probably ten years at this point, and he had bought a cowboy hat, and he post it was like he posted this picture on Facebook, like what he was thinking. I have no idea. But it was like him sitting in a chair, like all you know, proper posture, and he's holding the hat on, like he's riding like a bull or something. And he had the common sense to take it down about five minutes after he put it up, but he was about four minutes and thirty seconds too late, because I had already saved that photo. So I saved the photo, and then I had it put on a shirt, and then on the shirt it said "fuck cracker" because it was a stupid saying that we would just we would just always say that because you know it's it's Jeffrey. It's cracker, know? right? And. Somehow, again, I didn't intend to put that in there. It just wound up in there. And, yeah, Freddie's giving his little speech. And he's like, yeah, great slideshow, like the one we're watching right now. And as he pointed to the TV, boom, that thing popped up. <laughs> Mary looked at me. She goes, you couldn't have planned that better if you no, tried. <laughs> you, you could not have. You know, speak, speaking of Fritz, those that don't know, I think everybody kind of knew, um, he, he, uh, he's, he deals with diverticulitis and – Every now and then he gets a really bad flare-up. And when I say every now and then, it's like every few years. And he unfortunately, as he's coming to meet us on Wednesday, gets a massive attack and winds up in the hospital. And there was, I, I, I guys were coming up to me, oh, what are you going to do? Freddie's not going to be here. I'm like, guys, there is absolutely no way he's not going to be in D.C. He'll get here. I guarantee it. He will get here. He was going to fly down. The doctors were like, you're not getting on a plane. He actually signed himself out of the hospital. And he told the doctor, listen, they were like, yeah, listen, you're going to be here three to five days. We got to give you this uh, antibiotics. And he's like, just give me the pills. And I'm out of here Friday morning. I'm not staying past Friday morning. And I mean, he was he was a trooper because he was not feeling good, um, both for the, the, um, the event on Saturday and... I mean, pretty much the whole weekend, but he hung in there. Um, the one good thing he did say, uh, he got an opportunity for the first time to actually, because he couldn't get on a bike, so he was going to ride in a car. So he got a chance to watch the ride leave the hotel. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's got to be amazing. And, and, watch, and yeah. he, he was talking about that at the board meeting 
um, a couple of weeks later. He was like, it's just like, it was such a great view. It's a view he never would have seen. Right. But you got you got to take your 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 hat off to the guy because I don't know many people that would have said no. I have to be in D.C. and I'm gonna be there. And I mean, he drove down on Friday, went home on Sunday. But um, you know, he was it's, there. It, it, it's it's I look at it two ways. You know, I look at it one, you lead by example, and 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 Freddie's always been that guy. And because it comes down to like you know, for those of us that are that are truly in this club for the right reasons, this is not a hobby. This is a commitment, and, right. and and that commitment, you know, you know, especially when you have that that soldier mentality, or you know, that 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 mentality that we have as as veterans and as law enforcement, it, it's when you commit to something, you commit to something, and and that's that's Freddie's mentality. This club is it means the world to him as it does to a lot of us, and and he was out there and. You know, he reminded us all that, like, you know, even, you know, even in his well into his 70s, he is still committed to this club. And you see that, you know, all the time, you know, you, you see these guys that show up to it, these older guys. And it's just like, you know, they, they don't miss it. No. And, and no. they, you know, they're there, you know, because they, they want to see their brothers. They, they want to be around everybody. And, and, and we had a lot of that. And especially with missing it last year, it was important for a lot of these guys, it was. To, to, you know, to, to get in there and, and you know, really Get, get that brotherhood feeling back again and, and I, I know I had it I mean I had I had a blast you know yeah no it was a great weekend I think also you got to give a shout out to Raptor who uh you know Freddie's not the kind of guy you can't fuss over him he's like he's gonna do what he's gonna do and he you know he's he's that classic type a um but Raptor one of our members down in the DC area um he, he's a Navy corpsman and he kind of shadowed Fritz mm-hmm and you know, like we were, we were like, listen, don't let him know you're there, but just be around just in case he needs you. And and thankfully he didn't need him. But um, shout out to to him because uh, Zach, you did a great job. Um, yeah, appreciate you. Respect. Yeah, a lot Absolutely. of guys stepped up. My uh, yep. my two sergeant arms, both uh, Compass Josh Quinton, Sergeant Major, and now uh, Commandant of the Commandant, Commandant uh, Quinton. Ooh, that's gonna be weird. And oh, uh, and Hatch. God. But uh, Cody, Cody, uh, Mangelli, and uh, <laughs> I can't do it. Mangelli, <laughs> I can't do it. Cody Mangelli, you just did it. I know, I did, I did. I'm gonna hear about it. That's all right. He's at a baseball game tonight. Didn't even invite me. So you know what, you bastard, you deserve it. Um, but him and, and him and Compass, Hatch and Compass, both stepped up, and um, you know, uh, instead of going on the ride on Saturday. Um, they stayed with Freddie to make sure that he had a personal escort to and from uh, mm-hmm. everything that we did. And but you know, Saturday is another example of you know commitment over hobby. That was not a, a comfortable ride on Saturday. It was cold. It was rainy, and we still had what almost 300 motorcycles in that ride. 281. 281 guys said, "I don't care." My goal this weekend is to go pay respects to our fallen Vietnam brothers and to our fallen law enforcement. And they got mm-hmm. 281 guys got on their motorcycles. And, you know, and there are a lot of ladies got on the back of those motorcycles, too. Again, yep. not a fun ride, not comfortable. And they still got out there and did it. So much love and respect to all my brothers and all the non-night ladies that uh, that rocked and rolled and, and, and made that weekend yep. uh, everything that it's supposed how, to be. So. How about the prospects, too? Oh, they, were, they killed it. They were all good, except Pos- for those... Prospects killed it. Yeah. Uh, except for those bastards that let my bottle of Jefferson's disappear. But, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get fired up about that, you know. These bastards. Yeah. yeah. No, they, they, they really great. really did a great job. Uh, Chapo and uh, and Block, 
running the prospects, doing a good job there. Menace, great mm-hmm. job by Dennis to to step up and and uh, you know run the uh, run the show for Chris who couldn't be there. Yeah. So yep. I'm just saying, you know, old line prospect. You know, nobody, no, there wasn't a person that showed DC didn't know who uh, the old line prospect was. So you know, firstborn son, second to none, baby. He uh, Mike did a great job, and. Uh, you know, I look forward to seeing him uh, finish his journey hopefully real soon and uh, be a patch brother with us. So, yeah, I mean, good, I'm uh, sure. Good prospect, shit yeah. fantasy football player. No, oh, terrible fantasy football player. That's why he had to carry You know, you got to show. <laughs> yeah, but listen, listen, I made him carry the football because he screwed me in fantasy football. But how about showing some initiative and showing up with something to hold the football in, so he had his <laughs> yeah, hands Yeah, he was a canteen. He found an old you canteen can, holder. Canteen holder. I mean, it was like just now, really, really impressive. Were you, were you present when uh, he lost the football momentarily? You know, there was a point where the guys were like, oh, we heard that the, you know, getting the prospect, the football from the prospect is is gonna is a thing. And I'm like, no, it's not a thing. Guys. I don't know who would have started that. I, I said, no, it's not a thing. And they're like, what, what do you mean? I said, he just has to carry the football. I said, there's no... Listen, if a patch holder goes over to him and says, hey, give me the football, he has to give him the football. Where's the game there? Just leave the guy alone let him carry the football. Well, that's that's what happened. So we bring him up again. Bam Bam asked him to see the football. And we all knew where it was going. Of course. So it was that moment. So he looked at me and I, I was like... Hey, patch asked you for a football. So he hands him the football. So both... Uh, he got re- What saved him partially was the fact that both Mike and Bam are both um, uh, born uh, mass holes. So on the football was a Patriot emblem. So Bam had to take that moment to decide what he wanted to do with it. And in that moment, Mike was able to put himself in a good position. So when Bam attempted to throw the football into somewhere in the Maryland, uh, Mike was able to get his hand up and knock it down. Mind you, it's pouring rain at this point. And we're, we were within a maze of motorcycles. Mike got his hand up, and the football didn't get very far, but it fell out into the main parking lot. So Mike, instead of, you know, running around the motorcycles to go get it, started hurtling motorcycles. While our good friend Gig, who is a lover of good food, and it shows, Gig decided he was going to go after the football as well in the rain. So Gig made it about three-quarters of the way there before he slipped and broke his ass in the middle of the parking lot. But he managed to knock the football, so now the football is now rolling down the street, and the two of these idiots are crawling after this thing in the pouring rain to get it. So it was, it was, that was probably one of my highlights for the weekend, was watching those two. <laughs> but I mean, like, prospect, give me the football. Okay, here. Where's the game? I don't know. Anyway. No, no you're right. You're right. You're right. But so. no, but seriously, Mike showed really initi- real initiative. Keeping his hand. Thank you, Your Highness. What did you do? Uh, I turned off the wall. Uh, Why didn't you turn off the whole movie? I must have pressed the wrong button. Well, put it back on. Put yes, the movie sir. Back yes, on. sir. Oh. You gotta get that thing fixed. We're back, oh. and we have the combination. Oh. What? We're done with you. Go back to the golf course and work on your putts. Let's go, Arnold. Come, Gretchen. Of course, you know I'll still have to bill you for this. All right, we're back. Had a little bit of a, a technical difficulty. I think uh, Mike was probably tired of us talking about him and just made the internet crash. We do live <laughs> in the same development, so either that or you had too many, uh, too many things do, using your Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know. I really, I mean, we have a great executive producer who's doing it. Uh, you know, Mike's actually it's Mike's wife. Ironically, she's doing a great job helping us uh, get everything out there as far as um, you know 
advertising what we're doing, but we're still we're still running into a lot of problems with uh, you know would it take us a good 30 minutes to get our uh, audio correct today? So you know if anyone wants to donate time to help us figure this all the frick out, by all means. Uh, <laughs> the time's coming down though. It went from like 50 minutes to 40. Now we're down to 30. Yeah, Did yeah. It take us, us 30 minutes. It only took us about 30 minutes to figure out that you were causing the echo. Yes, Steve. So mm. we're getting right. there. But you know, I mean, all it's right. you know, oh, you know what it could have been, Steve. Also, because it's a good. Uh, here it comes. Good, yep, here, here it comes. comes. <laughs> yeah, here it comes. It could have been Zuckerberg, because you know he's not a fan of yours, and uh, he's been after you for a while, and maybe he realizes that we're going to get ready to start talking about the fact that he put you in Facebook jail again. I, I again. I not only not only got put in Facebook jail. But got put in Facebook jail for, like, the most ridiculous reason. And then you get to appeal it, and literally you press the appeal button, and the denial of the appeal actually appears, like, three seconds later. So I then go to this thing where I'm allowed to, like, fill stuff out that maybe they might read. And so I went into this long-winded screed about how they have this platform for millennials run by millennials who don't understand that men kid around with each other and telling someone leave again and I'm going to kick your ass is not a threat of violence right right I, I it just like really yeah and I mean, and, and, and not, it's the second and, time wasn't the the last time because you were recently put into you know I'm like it's not even fun anymore to do the free Steve because you're just constantly getting locked up in Facebook jail but every time it happens it's more I feel like Freon now like, the, like it's like a 30-day oh, bid man. every time. Oh, oh, take that back. Take that back. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you know, Freon, Freon sneezes and he gets a 30-day bid. I, yeah. I, and now I'm getting a 30-day bid for, for threatening for threatening Troy, Troy that, that I'm just going to kick his ass. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, you can you can you can put all kinds of things on Facebook that aren't real, fake news here and there, but you know, don't threaten to kick your best friend's ass as a joke because you know, Zuckerberg's coming after you. Yeah, I actually yeah. The, I started off my complaint with your algorithm is flawed. Yeah, well, I mean, fa Facebook's a mess. and I mean, when you really dig into everything that's going on with it, but unfortunately it is the, you know, it's the primary platform. social media platform uh, out there. I mean, Instagram's getting big, but who owns Instagram? Facebook. Yeah, yeah Facebook. Know? You know, Instagram has always, for me, been like, you know, just like all positive stuff. Um, I stopped doing uh, politics on mm -hmm. Facebook, you know, mm -hmm. three years ago. Yeah. I'll, I'll comment on other people's pages, but it's just like, I, the, I've been banned now four times. It goes up each time, one day, then three days, then seven days. Now I'm up to 30. And every single time, it has been the algorithm's failure to understand that I that I'm joking with somebody. Right, right. It I've never I have never threatened anyone. I have never, you know, done anything that that I really have to say, "Oh, I'm ashamed I did that or why did I do that? I feel bad." It's just guys joking around. Most of the time it's it's cops or veterans or club members and it, it's that gallows humor that we we all engage in cuz you know, dealing with the stuff we deal with. We, we, we like to joke around, and yeah, a lot of our joking is inappropriate, but it's inappropriate amongst us. We, we wouldn't do it right. to a stranger. Um, so again, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening because I'm being monitored, your algorithm, <laughs> your algorithm is flawed. 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a mess. I mean, I took that same stance probably right. I think you and I did it right around the same time where I'm just like I'm over the politics and, and I stay away from I will call out fake news in a heartbeat, but I won't argue with you. Like, here's the facts. And right. there's nothing to argue about. You're welcome to your opinion. Everyone's welcome to their opinion. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's part of the beauty of living in a free country. You know, part of, you know, being a free American. You want to be an asshole. You can be an asshole. You have the right to be an asshole. But you don't have the right, you know, to, to lie. You don't have the right to put up fake news about people. You know, you know, I love that. I love that line that you hear these days so much. Oh, he was speaking his truth. There's no such thing as yeah. his truth or her truth. <laughs> right. There's the truth or not. You know, you, there's there's the truth, a lie, or an opinion. I believe it's but, the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. That's oh, it. wait a minute. I can't say that. <laughs> I mentioned God. No, listen, you know what? I, I will tell you this, and I'm, I'm, and I'm very proud to tell the story. I hadn't planned on telling it, but you, you bring that up. And uh, we, were, we were sitting around. I think it was a baseball game Mary and I went to. And... Uh, uh, Melanor's like that's the that's the America flag, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United. And next thing I know, she's doing the pledge of allegiance. And I looked over, and I'm like, where did you learn that? She goes, Daddy, we we do that in school every morning. I was now technically she's she's like what are they pre four K? So she's not even in preschool yet. And she goes twice a week. To you know, typical. It's a church down the road that runs a, a preschool out of the out of their basement, and they taught her the Pledge of Allegiance, and they taught her a song uh, about the flag that I'd never even heard before. And uh, we recently we just did our little camping trip to Myrtle Beach while Mary was away because I had to get out of the house. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down and you know go camp for a few days in Myrtle Beach. So I took her to a Pelicans game. She wanted to know before the game, Daddy, they're gonna sing the America song. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're gonna do the, you know, they're gonna do the national anthem before the, uh, before the game. I'm like, you know what to do? She goes, I stand quietly with my hand over my heart. Dude, I don't want to cry. Yep. You know, but you, but you, but you go on, a, you go on a, on a Facebook, and they'll make it sound like, oh, they're teaching our kids to hate this country now. Like, hey, I don't, I don't know where you're getting that from. Maybe you're doing something wrong with your kids because, uh, I mean, I didn't intend to, but apparently I sent my daughter to the right place because they've taught her to be very proud of her country. You know, but, you, you know, you have the right to, you know, to teach them that or not teach them that. We taught her that, you know, she's she's in a home with two veterans, you know. You right. know Mary's still serving and I served, her grandmother served, her grandparents served, her grandfather's a Vietnam vet, you know, but no one forced that on her. That's just what she picked up. And, and, and I think it's amazing. And it goes against these these false narratives that we have out there right now that, like, you know, they're teaching these kids to hate their country. You know, no one loves their country anymore. I don't know, man. Maybe you need to get off Facebook and get out into the real world a little bit more often, because it well, ain't that bad. I, you know, well, it depends. I guess it depends too on where you where you are. And we don't want this to devolve into a, a political discussion. No. We said we no. weren't going to do that. So correct, correct. Um, yeah, uh, Will isn't technically she isn't technically she in a home with a, a veteran and a, a dependent. Yes, I am a triceratops or <laughs> a, a dependipotamus. Dependipotamus. <laughs> Yes. So like, so when I go, when I go on the post, like, I, like, so technically as a, uh, as a, um, veteran, as a disabled veteran, I have a disabled veteran card, um, that allows me to go shop in, in, you know, on any military post. 
Um, I don't show my card. I take out my Dependa card, my little pink, <laughs> my little pink card. Nothing beat while I was staying with uh, with Bam Bam. Apparently, he's going to be a topic a lot tonight. Uh, when I was staying with Bam Bam after his surgery, and uh, I had to go on post with him, and of course, you know, he wasn't going to let me drive. He had to drive. He had, had foot surgery, but he had to drive. And when we got onto the base, you know, we pulled up to the gate, and the you know E4 asked us for IDs. All I needed to do was show a driver's license. Nah, I couldn't do that to Bam. I gave that guy my Dependa card. So here's this, this specialist looking at Bam Bam and me trying to figure out how this old gray-bearded dude is a dependent of this gigantic green beret that's <laughs> sitting next to me in a car. This dude was so confused staring at the two of us. Like the blank stare he gave us and just kept looking at the don't cars. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, all right, you know, uh, Rangers lead the way. Sorry. And then we drove <laughs> off and, and Bam's like, you couldn't just give him your, you couldn't just give him your driver's license, right? Or your veteran card. You had to use the Dependa card. I'm like, you're damn right I did. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So, all right. So, let's talk some motorcycles. I think Harry had a great idea. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, where where we all started and how we all got into it. So, uh, you know what? Seeing it was your uh, your idea, Harry. You got the you got the mic, brother. Let's hear it. Well, it, it was like <clears throat> most memorable ride, right? Or well, well, first I think, memorable I think, ride. I think what Harry wanted to do because it came from. Uh, Came from uh, Machine Gun Kelly there. Came from Timmy, and his que his initial question was, uh, "What was the first long ride you took?" So when Harry and I talked about this, we said we were going to talk about our first long ride, and our most memorable ride. So those two, I think, you know, are are, are good conversation pieces. So go ahead, Harry, fire away. All right. So I don't know. So I, I, my first long ride. I don't know what do you what do you consider a long ride? Anything over an hour? No, I would say it's got to be. I mean, it's it's a good question. We really didn't didn't uh, write a criteria. Know, for we didn't it. make a criteria for it. But I mean, like your first your first time, you had to pack a bag and get on your motorcycle, and you were going somewhere, and you weren't coming home that night. You were putting some miles on your motorcycle, and you weren't coming back that night. So, I, so then I guess technically, my first long ride is I did a. Uh, what is it, Americane, Lake George? Uh-huh, okay. So, that, I mean, that would, I, you know, because I, I did, I packed a bag and I wasn't coming home that night, but I don't consider that a long ride. I would consider my first long ride uh, for my brother's graduation. We went out to Sturges for the bike week. Nice, okay. And, and we, didn't, we didn't ride out there on the bikes. We trailed out there and we got set up and then we rode around all out there. And... I don't remember where we were coming from, but I remember where we were going. We were going to Driggs, Idaho, which is in the middle of nowhere. You think? Because, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my grandfather had a friend from the Navy who was, he was in the area. He wasn't at Sturgis. He was just in the area. And he's like, yeah, I'm in the area. I'll be in Driggs, Idaho tonight. Come out and meet me. I haven't seen you since we were in the Navy 80 years ago. <laughs> oh, we go out to Driggs, Idaho. I'm on a 1200 Sportster at the time. Uh, peanut tank. It got 81.5 miles to the tank. I know because I ran out of gas on the side of the road and thought, well, this is this is where I die because we're in the desert. And uh, by pure luck, there was a little shop next to us and they had... One pump, they had a one pump gas pump, and you had a, 
you had to write down the tally that came out on like the the clicker and go inside and show it to the lady so you could pay her for gas in cash no cards yeah right, right exactly that that spot but, also but, had by the way by the way harry driggs idaho mm-hmm. population 1660 yeah wow yep that sounds about right but yeah. yep, that that ride was 600 miles that's a lot of sports there. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. give you that one. Yeah, so that was, and we got out there, and like that was a long ride for me. But the old man that we met out there, my grandfather's friend, said, I don't remember where he was coming from, but he was going to Texas, and then from Texas he was going to Alaska. Damn. On a yeah, motorcycle. I, yeah, on a motorcycle. Yeah, it was a uh, you know one of those like a. Uh, BMW Enduros. Enduros, yeah. Yeah, but he, I'm like, like, I thought 600 miles was tough. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to Texas tomorrow and then back to Alaska. <laughs> All right. That's, that was, I, yeah, that was probably, that was, I, that's what I consider my, yeah, that's what I consider my first long ride. I mean, that's, you know, that's impressive. I think my first long one, because I'm right there with you. So my first long one, so my first motorcycle I bought. Uh, was right out of the wheel school when I graduated, and I bought a brand new Yamaha V-Star. Um, I believe that was, a, I think that was a 1200 as well. And uh, I rode that thing from New York to Myrtle Beach. So that's 750 miles, give or take. Yeah. Rode it around the whole time down there, no trailer, no nothing. And then turned around and rode it all the way home. Actually, I did. I made Myrtle twice on that thing before. And coming back from my second Myrtle trip, like right after I got back from it, is when I bought my first Harley. But Myrtle Beach would have been, I went down there for bike week. And I'd never been to a bike week before. Like I was, I was really new to the, uh, to the riding uh, lifestyle. And I got down to bike week and I was like, this is, this is insanity. I mean, that was when Myrtle Beach bike week was, was at its, at its peak. And you went from Merle's Inlet, which is like the southern part of the Grand Strand, and you could ride up to um, like North Myrtle to the Devil Dog Saloon, it was called, or the the Dog Saloon, the Dog House, the Dog House. That's what it was called. And uh, you know, it was it was a 45 minute ride from the bottom to the top of this bike week. And I remember going to to uh, to that saloon and being in line for it. Like you had you you like there was a line around the block to pull in and find a parking spot. And while you were waiting in line, they had girls in bikinis with rolling coolers that would just for a dollar sell you a beer right there while you were waiting to pull in. <laughs> and you'd just be sitting on your bike drinking a beer. The cops are just sitting there waving people through and you've got like a beer between your legs as you're trying to pull into this parking lot. I mean, bike week back then was insanity. They had the, uh, the sundowner, which is still there, but it's nowhere near what it was, but it was a 24 hour bar. And it, 2 a.m., they were not allowed to sell liquor from, I think, like 2 a.m. to noon or something like that. So at 2 a.m., you had to be clear of all liquor. You're like, you couldn't even have a drink at that point. But they would continue to serve beer. So, like, you know, I went down there. We had two full houses full of people. And you would go down there, and everyone would just kind of do their own thing. But everyone knew somewhere between 12 and 1 o'clock at night, you'd all meet right back up at the Sundowner, and we were .9 miles from the house at that point so you know if you had to walk back you could walk back and that was that was my first real real long trip um you know 
on a on a less than large motorcycle. <laughs> so yeah, Steve. Uh, longest ride was the one time I rode to Daytona. Not longest. Was, what was your first longest though? That was my first longest. Oh, that was your first longest. Yeah, okay. I mean, okay. Uh, uh, if we're talking distance, um, you know, my first longest. Yeah, but it was before. It was the year before I joined the club, on a on a shovel head. No Oof. respect. And yeah. and I hit I hit every single possible <laughs> pothole type of weather. <laughs> getting down there, left left New York. It was snowing. Got to the, you know, around like Virginia area, it was raining. I was sick for three days. The first three days I got there, it was with two other friends. We met a couple of friends down there. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm never doing this again. This is this is insane. And then you finish um, it up and you're like, man, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I went back the next year with the club. But okay. I but I, I trailered the shovelhead down there. You know. Smart. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. long, longest for me, I think the longest I've ever done was for West Side's pork roast. And I rode in April. So it's not warm in, in New York in April. And I rode from New York to with with uh, uh, to Tar Heel. So I went from New York to Fayetteville to uh, or Fayetteville, as they call it down there in North Carolina. And then I, I don't call with, it that. I got in trouble. <laughs> for calling it that oh that's right i remember oh, you telling yeah. me that story yeah you know well, sensitive snowflakes yeah i rode but i rode from there i blame i blame wise guy well he's always i mean you want to talk about shit stars that guy yeah, i but blame wise guy from there down to uh yeah all the way down to tampa so you know three quarters of the east coast you know i did uh i did that ride so that'd probably be my longest yeah yeah so and then uh so most memorable. What was your most memorable, Harry? Uh, it might have actually been the same the ride. Same we were, yeah, it might be, we were, I th- yeah, it must have been. Right, we were going to Driggs, and uh, right, I think it was like it's like August out there. So same thing. Like it's kind of cool, like at nighttime. You know, you're yeah. in the mountains. There's, and we're coming up over. We had just we had just filled up gas. And we're coming up over this road that's in the middle of getting worked on. You know how, like, the roads are, like, right before they pave them, they're kind of, like, like chewed up almost? Mm-hmm. But Except still, like, milled, but yeah. still a road. Yeah, mill, but still yep. a road. Yep. And we're coming up over this road, and there's dust everywhere, and you can barely see a thing. And, like I said, I'm on a sports there. My father was on a sports there. And we're coming up over this hill, and we hit the top of the hill, and we're right in front of the Grand Tetons, which is a mountain range, not what everyone is thinking. It yeah, I know. I was going to say, <laughs> I've seen right. a couple of Grand Tetons in my life. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm talking about the mountain range. And well, I've seen a couple. Of, I called them a mountain range, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so coming over and, like, and the sun's setting behind the mountains, and like you know, there's snow-capped mountains, and there's a river in front of them, and it's green and white, and the orange of the sunset, and, and I'll never forget it. It was great. It was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. All right, all right. It was the same road, and then we we came down. Yeah, we came down, and we we rode the stretch of the river, and I think you know, like along the mountains for a little bit, and then pulled into. 
Jackson Hole, Wyoming, mm-hmm. and get like super cool place. It was just it was a, all around that that whole Sturgis trip was probably my most memorable ride. Sturgis is is very very high on my bucket list. I'm, I'm ashamed that I've been riding as long as I have and, and still have yet to to accomplish. I've been invited. No, nor I. Right, I just one no of those ride. things I've never been able to to piece that ride together. I mean, I've ridden, you know, I, I so my most memorable was Arizona. So, you know, like I know how it is. My most, I did, and it was just me and a, and a girlfriend at the time. She had friends out in Arizona. And, you know, we were going out there to visit them, and we had a couple of days to ourselves. So I went and rented a road glide, and I rode from Mesa to Sedona, and then Sedona to the Grand Canyon. And then on the way back, we stopped in Sedona again, and the, the it turned out the, the owner of the place was a, was a biker, and he's like, oh, well, how are you going back? I'm like, I'm taking the highway back. No, no, you're not. And he showed me this route that went through Prescott and Jerome. And, I mean, it was, it was like you said, it's just stunning. Like, we were on top of this mountain at one point, and, like, there's no guardrail. I mean, you're looking straight down, and you're just like, man, one, one wrong turn, mm-hmm. and, and it's all over. But I remember him telling me, he's like, oh, you got to go to Prescott. He's like, a wild Bill drank in this such-and-such bar there. Okay, so I, you know, I made it. I put it on my list. And this is this is before, like, you know, you had your phone GPS. Like, I was using a Rand McNally on this thing, and I don't know if you know what that is, Harry. It's a it's no an clue. old map. So Rand McNally is who used to make maps. So you went to the store and you bought a Rand like McNally paper map, map, like, like a, a paper book. map. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Wow, I was really trying to be funny, saying you wouldn't know what that was, but wow, did I just? Date but he myself. really didn't. <laughs> he, <laughs> I didn't know really did. So yeah, but uh, so I get into Prescott and I find his bar. And I go in and I sit down and I'm having a, you know, having my lunch in this thing and I'm looking around and I'm like, listen, man, I'm no, I'm no construction worker. I'm no architect. Not, there is no way this bar is that old. Like, no way. So I'm telling the girl I'm with at the time, like, there's no way this bar is that old. Well, the bartender hears me and he comes down. He's like, all right, let me set you straight. He's like, you're right. The bar is not there. He goes, no, the building is not that old. He goes, but what did the guy tell you? I'm like, the guy said that Wild Bill drank at this bar. He goes, that part is true. He goes, years ago, he's like, I'm talking like, like, you know, early 1900s, this place caught fire. He goes, and the patrons picked the bar up and ran it out into the street so it would not burn down with the rest of the building. So technically, Wild Bill did drink drink at at the bar. And they actually have, like, there's a safe inside of it. It's, like a gl- it's got a glass front to it. And I guess they've got, like, some artifacts of his in there. So it was pretty cool. But what I remember is I left Mesa, Arizona, and it was 118 degrees. I remember it was so hot, my iPod overheated, and I couldn't even listen to music. <laughs> I, got, I got to Sedona, and it was, like, you know, it was in the 80s, which 80s in Arizona is not warm. Like, it's really not. Um, did Sedona and then rode up to the Grand Canyon. So I had the Grand Canyon, like, ah, you know, around dinner time. And now it's like, you know, it's in the mid 70s at this point, low 70s. And uh, this girl goes in, she's checking us in, and the, the bellboy's talking to me about the motorcycle. And I'm like, yeah, guy, it's not mine. Like, it's a rental. I don't know what to tell you here. But, you know, he was a nice dude. And he's like, oh, he's like, listen, man, everyone's, you know, we were staying in the, in, in the Grand Canyon, like these hotels that are actually on the rim of the Grand Canyon. He's like, yo, when the sun goes down, he goes, everyone is going to pile up right out in front of this hotel to to see the sunset. He's like, don't do not do it. He's like, take this road and this road. He goes, it's about a 35-minute ride. He goes, you'll be looking over the Colorado River. It's gorgeous, and there'll be nobody over there, like maybe a dozen people standing there. Cool, man. I appreciate it. 
take all my bags, put them in a room, jump on a bike, let's go. We ride out to this thing. What this guy failed to tell me was that when the sun went down, the it temperature really was going cold. to drop dramatically. I remember riding. It had to be in the 40s on the way back. Well, I had already dumped everything in the hotel. So I rode back. I mean, I was shivering riding back in just nothing but jeans and a T-shirt riding back in it. You know, and it's, you know, I'd never, and I was only probably riding, I don't know, three, four years at this time. So I'm cranking through one part of Arizona and I'm coming around a corner and there's a tumbleweed in the middle of the road. And I like, I go to slam on the brakes and I'm like, it's a, it's a tumbleweed. Like I've seen enough freaking cartoons. Like it's just going to bounce off the front of the bike. (laughs) Dude, it was the equivalent of driving through a plate glass window. Like, I hit this thing, and it exploded all over. I had shit in my hair, because there's no helmet law out there, so I had to be a tough guy with no helmet. I had shit in my hair all over my shirt, all over the... I was picking stuff out of that motorcycle for days before I could turn it back into Harley. Like, it was insanity. But uh, still, like, the, the riding through there was... You know, I mean, the roads out there aren't like the roads we're accustomed to in New York. It's like, you know, no. it's like riding on glass. Like, there's just... There's no bumps. There's no potholes. There's no grooves. Like, it was just beautiful riding through there. So, what about you, Steve? What was uh, what was your most memorable? You know, it's funny. My most memorable isn't a particularly fun or good ride, you know, ride-wise... But it's my first trip to D.C. with the club. Okay. We had, you know, it, but you know, D.C. is kind of stretched out now. We go down on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But back in the, back in the day, we used to go down on Friday, and we used to go home on Sunday. And it's the first time I've ever ridden with that many motorcycles. There had to be a hundred bikes, and to be riding in formation down the highway in the middle of a pack of 100 motorcycles, it's just something that has stuck in my head as being the moment that I said, you know what, I'm really glad I got involved with this thing and I want to stay involved with this thing because this is just really cool. Yeah, it's a, that's a, yeah, it's quite an awe-inspiring moment, that, that first big ride you, you, you yeah. take with the I, club. I mean, this was, and this is, I went from riding with, you know, 10, 15 guys the most to this was literally 100 bikes. Yeah, I did, like, was it yeah. tr- you would remember better than me. What was the, there was the, the veterans memorial in, in the Bronx and it used to kick off a ride. It was the Triborough ride. Triborough. Yeah. The Triborough chapter. That was the first big ride I ever took with the club. Just like you, like there had to be a hundred, 150 motorcycles in that, in that ride. And I just remember like being blown away by it and just like, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't a member of the club. I was, I think I was just a hang around and I think I was still on that Yamaha and just saying to myself, like, I have to, I've, I've got to get rid of this motorcycle. I got to be part of this club. Like, <laughs> yep. this is, this is the most amazing thing. And, and, you know, it's still, you know, I mean, we went, we went and saw the Amish outlaws this weekend. And I think, you know, I put a little message out to the chapter. Ah, we're going to go to see this, this band this weekend. If you've never seen them, they're amazing. It's uh, two guys aren't Amish, but the rest of the band is all Amish and they do everything from DMX to men without hats to, to, to Iron Maiden. Like, they do it all, and they're amazing to watch. But I put a message out, and, you know, I'd fi- I'm leaving 5 o'clock on Friday. I walked out of my garage at 4.59 on Friday, and there was eight motorcycles in my in my driveway and just eight guys rolling into a bar. Like, there's it's just an amazing feeling to just be out there with, with, with a group like that, just riding mm-hmm. around. It's, it's, and when, it, and when, it, you ride, when you ride frequently with guys, um, 
you know, it's you you kind of get to know their habits and what they like and what they don't like. You know, we had we ride a couple of weeks ago, and as we went to leave, and uh, uh, Sluggo put this, uh, you know, like let's all go up for breakfast up to Orange County, and as we were lining up, you know, he looked over at me. He goes, "You want to be on the right, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Like it's just like you ride with guys; they know where you want to be. They you kind of you can anticipate kind of how they're gonna react to mm-hmm. any given situation. Um, it just, it changes the dynamic of the ride. It does. It does. I mean, you know, Keith Winchell, you know, he, he was the one who really kind of tightened my riding up and, uh, him and I, uh, I mean, I remember we used to do, was it two two eighteen that goes through West point. Yep. I mean, you have no business riding to, you know, two in a lane going through that. And him and I would do it. And I mean, you'd bump in saddlebags through the whole thing, laughing, doing it. Cause you, I knew he's not going to hit me, hit me. You know, but you don't have a choice. You're going to bump saddlebags going through something like that. But I trusted mm-hmm. his riding, and, and Cracker's the same way. Like, I ride with – I forget, I was up, you know, I think about a year after I left the parent chapter, and I wound up hooking up with him. I think we were in Florida for something, and we wound up going out for a ride and just laughing at each other when we got to where we were going. He gave me a big hug. He's like, man, I miss riding next to you. Because when you know a brother and you know how he rides, you, you know you know what you can do, and you know what he can do, and it, it, it's amazing. You know, it just it, it changes mm-hmm. it changes how much you can enjoy the ride. So, do you remember your first ride with the uh, with the club, Harry? Um, I remember I went down. Speaking of guys that are great to ride with, there's also guys that are uh, to ride with. <laughs> yeah. I went down to DC. Uh, same thing. I was I wasn't even a hanger on. I just went down as a friend of the club. Cause my my dad was a member. And I rode down on a Saturday with Tippy Toes. How did I know that's where this story was going? So <laughs> technically, that was my first ride with somebody from the club, and it was fun. I'm, I it feel wasn't. so it bad wasn't. for you. It's okay. It's okay. You, don't, you don't have to lie to us. <laughs> Tippy Toes doesn't know how to turn a computer on unless he's yelling about the NFL, so don't right, worry Right, so he's not going to hear this. He's not going to hear drive, this. Or driving his truck across the hood of my car. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but what was your? Do you remember your first like, that first time you you were in a pack with with the uh, with the club? Do you remember that? Um, I don't. I no. It was it was probably DC. Same thing. It was probably DC as a prospect because I believe the year after that I went down to DC as a prospect. Okay. All right. Well, th- well, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Can you imagine I mean, your first ride with the club being with Tiptoes? No, no. I don't know how, why you didn't turn back around and go back to New Jersey. You know, I mean, it's... You, you know, you got, you, got to, you got to love Tip. We were sitting next to each other at the, at the clubhouse last Friday night. And, and he goes, you know, I don't know why I come here. He goes, I could go to the, to the firehouse and get this abuse. And I'm like, yeah, but it's more fun getting abused by us than, than, than the firemen. Yeah, he, goes, well, yeah, he, he goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, you know, he's one of those guys that just he, – he's got a big heart, so you got to love he does. him. But, you know, yeah. you know he's, he's – Just don't park next to him. Don't park next to him. Don't don't ride next to him don't, if you don't have right, to. Right. I, I was behind him, and <laughs> you know, even being behind him was uh, – yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know he listens, so, you know, I won't say his name, but, you know, Old Line may have somebody that I have now deemed uh, Captain Breaklight. So, uh, you know, so Captain Brake, let him, you know, so as the way we run it in old line, as a first sergeant, I ride all the way in the back. 
So uh, I noticed that. I'm like, I don't know how you last a month riding without having to get new brakes. Like, it's, it's all you do. You're on your brakes the entire time. You Maybe know, but, he's got that thing that I have on my bike. Which is? I just actually put this in on the bike. I like, I, I read this article that said, like, most motorcycle accidents are either, the, the mo- vast majority are people left turning in front of you. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I don't see you. Or people not realizing that the bike has slowed down because you either downshifted or your engine braking. Oh yeah. And yeah, they okay. and they hit you from behind. So I bought this thing. It was like 50 bucks and what it does is it flashes your brake lights when you either downshift or or your engine brake. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know I didn't know such a thing existed. I have to assume it works because I like so you're not behind guy, your motorcycle. I'm not right? behind my motorcycle. <laughs> um, and no one's complained to me and said, "Hey, why you're so why are you on your brake so much?" But I I just made it just made sense to me. Like, you know, I'm slowing down, and it, it looks like I'm on the brake, but I'm not. Okay. That's, uh, so. I mean, I, I, I can see the, the, the advantage to that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, I've always said, like, I, I, I ride a motorcycle like I'm playing a video game. Like, I look at every every person that I look at that I can see, they're going to do something stupid. Right. And, 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 you know, I feel like that's what saved me. I mean, granted, my primary riding abilities were taught to me in, in the NYPD you know, motorcycle school. Right. And, and we, you know, they weren't our motorcycles. So you got to do things with them that you would never do with your own motorcycle. And, you know, if you're one of these guys, you know, you go and you, you learn the basics of riding and then you jump on your first Harley, you only learn so much where I got to get on a, you know, you know, beat up old shitty department motorcycle. And I mean, even the best riders in that motorcycle school were dropping that bike, you know, 20, 30 times a day. Because of the stuff we had to do, but they also, you know, they, you know, they teach you to emergency brake. Well, how are you going to teach me that? They're like, well, this guy's going to stand at the end of the runway with a radar gun, and he's going to put his hand up when you hit 30 miles an hour. And you're like, ah, all right, yeah, I can do that. And then you hit 30 miles an hour, and you realize, holy shit, I got to hit the brakes. And you don't realize how fast 30 miles an hour is on a motorcycle until you're slamming on the brakes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they showed us before we had to do it. They showed us videos of guys that put too much pressure on that front brake. And just catapulted themselves right over handlebars. They're like, you you you, you can't slam that front brake. Right. And you know that's always the joke with 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 motor cops. You know, you you take a motor cop's personal motorcycle and go and pop the wheels off, and you'll see his front brake looks like it's got no miles on it, and the back brake should have been changed six months ago. You know, because that's all that's all I I, I barely use, I use that front brake for that last second stopping at a at a red light. You know, when you're finally coming to that final slow stop, yep. and then you're putting your feet down, and then you might use the front brake. But you know, you know, you have you have to ride out there like like everyone out there is is gonna do something stupid in front of you. And but you know, speaking of uh, you know the motorcycle course, I think you know Jekyll just took it. Yeah, um, we, we, we spoke. He called me and, up and, and told me he was just like, my Lord, that was something else. Yeah, like, and he was, <laughs> and, and, he, and I mean, there were like, I think he said 30-something guys in his class. Only four graduated, and he graduated top honors. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was the top gun in the class. So Well, you know who else got top gun? Top NY- no, an NYPD uh, motor cop. Yeah. You? Dar- no, not me. No, my God. Oh. I've been retired for a little while. Steve. I listen. I would. I, I. If it was me, I would have said, "Guess who?" You know. Um, no, no. It was a guy, Derek Poy, uh, who's an. Uh, I don't. I. 
I think he was there at the same time. I know the name, uh, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he he received Top Gun uh, of that class because, uh, you know, I mean, our course was no joke, but the NYPD does their own. You know, they right. did their own course, and, you know, I did mine um, from June until August, so in an airfield is where we, an old, uh, you know, uh, Floyd Bennett Floyd Field. Floyd Bennett Field, yep. And, I mean, just out there baking in the sun every day, learning to ride, and, uh, you know, it's amazing to watch, like, the, the transformation of some of the guys. Like, we had a guy in there, so we had a 10, 10 exercise cone course. This kid came in there, and he crushed that cone course. Never ridden before. You know, very little riding experience like myself when I went into it, and he crushed. Like, it was no problem. He had no problem doing it. And then they put us out on the runway, and he could not grasp the concept of shifting. I'm like, oh, no, he'll get it. Never wound up picking up, and he wound up failing out of the course because he could, he could do that cone course as good as the instructors could, but could not grasp the concept of having to shift the motorcycle. Wow. You know, and me, like, you know, I mean, I went in there, and, like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was guys like Keith, you know, Keith Winchell kind of just walked me through some of the stuff. And, you know, it's all about turning the head, which is, like, you know, one of the most unnatural things in the world to do. You know, you think about, you know, no, I got to watch what I'm doing. No, you got to watch where you're going. And that was one of the things they pounded in our head. Look where you're going because you're going where you're looking. Right. And, and you're like, all right. All right, all right look, cool. look where you want the motorcycle to go. Right. And, you know, they te- you teach you to do those U-turns. And it's like you're not looking at where your motorcycle's going. You're looking at where you want to go. And it's such an unnatural thing to do to just turn the wheel, uh, turn the handlebars, but look nowhere's near where your motorcycle is. You're right. looking where you want to go. And right. you whip through these turns. And you're like, my God, this is, this is insane. But that's how they work. You well, know, that's like that's like the comment I get, you know, because I have the road glide, and guys are like, "Oh, you know, I, I, I don't know." It just you get into a turn, and and the fairing's not turning, and I'm like, "Dude, why you why, are you, why are you looking at your fairing?" Right. Like, I, you, you're supposed to be looking at the road. I'm not looking. I yeah. If you do, if you happen to look down at the fairing when you're in a turn with a road glide, does it look a little odd? Yeah, but I'm not looking. Right, and, and I thought the, I thought the same thing because when I first got the road glide, I I was I was worried about that too. I'm like, oh, the fairing's not gonna move; it's gonna mess me up. I've always heard stories of guys having problems. You get like, you know, five minutes down the road, and it doesn't matter. You anymore. forget all, and that's I remember my my father says it all the time. Well, I don't think I could handle that fairing. I'm like, you forget that thing's there so quickly, mm-hmm. and and it, you know, I mean that that motorcycle, you know, that that's one of uh, one of Harley's, you know crowning achievements i mean you put that that road glide on a highway you can just let go of those handlebars and that bike just stays level and just floats along the road it's so perfectly balanced you know it's 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 uh you know i mean i have my little soft tail that i love to go bar hopping with but if i want a comfortable ride you know i'm jumping on that road glide you know and you know i mean we only got a couple more years of it they're gonna go electric with everything eventually on us all Mm. we're gonna be plugging our motorcycles into our garage Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. I. It just seems unnatural to be on an electric motorcycle. But I mean, I hear they're 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 fast. But you know, you know, you know. So is a Prius. I'm still not going to drive. Well, that. if anybody's considering one, you're not eligible to be in the club with the electric bike. So. Really? I I didn't know we had uh, I didn't know we had done that. Okay. Well, we didn't do it. it, it but it's in the it's in the bylaws already. <laughs> the yeah, bylaws already yeah. say 750 cc's. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, traditional motorcycle club. Got to keep the traditions. So until they change them. Well, you know, then go build one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I gotta, 
I got an old Sportster sitting in the garage. I think it's and definitely not electric. And that's exactly where it should stay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I got a I got a Honda 1996 Honda 250 sitting in there. So uh, yeah, that thing's a, that thing's fun to ride around. It's like riding a big moped. But I tell you, that thing's it's a 1996. Thing still turns right over and it'll start right up. So yeah, my Sportster does not. It does not. Well, yeah. Wait, yeah. Well, is it in it's your? Awesome. It's in your garage. Well, it's in my parents' garage. Oh, okay, yeah. that's what I tell oh. you. How many bikes your dad got in the garage right now? I don't know. Let's say five. Ask me how many run. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's got five frames in there. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's like that's like Brooklyn Mike from Central Jersey. How many bikes you got, Mike? Uh, I think I have eleven. Yeah. You think you have eleven? That, yeah. That, well, it, there's a bunch of boxes of parts. I think yeah. I have eleven. That seems a little excessive. Like I like to have my 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 touring bike for the long rides, and then I've got my you know I've got the green hornet as we now call it because the that bike hornet the hornet because that motorcycle hates me, but I I won't get rid of her. That's Marissa, man. I love that motorcycle. It's got that little one ten in it on that little tiny frame, and I mean like you take off and that thing you look like an Ewok. Like your feet will fly off that thing. It takes it's got so much torque in it and it's a lot of fun to ride, but that bike Yep, is sure not, will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. so, <laughs> what was that? Sure will. Was that? Yeah, it was OJ and Bam took off in OJ and Harry's like, Well Bam's leaving and he's like, My motorcycle's across the street. I'm like, Well mine's right here. Just take it. He's like, You sure? Yeah, just be careful with it. Harry came back ten minutes later, he handed me the keys, his hands were shaking. He's like, I will never ride that motorcycle again <laughs> i think you and i you and i steve you and i were heading to, to maryland and we were stuck on the delaware memorial bridge and we were kind of it was kind of like gunning and going you know stuck in traffic and a couple times i think just took off on me you're like you all right i'm like it's not me that's the motorcycle yeah, it's, it's like, it just it's wants her. to go it's her. <laughs> yeah she just wants to go but I, I i won't get rid of her because of it speaking of, of rides and rides down to dc and everything i, I just got to Real short story, just so you guys will appreciate this. I think we're kind of wrapping things up soon. Mm -hmm. So we're heading down to D.C., and we wind up, we're with Flatline, and all of a sudden... It's a bad story. All of a sudden, Flatline's not there. So we pull over, call them up. Yeah, the linkage on my on my, on my my bike came apart. I got it, you know, it's happened before. I'm going to fix it. I'll be down the road in a bit. So we're, we're waiting. He comes down. He pulls over. We go, okay, we take off. We take off again, get a few miles down the road. Where's Flatline? Pull over again. He says, oh, yeah, as soon as I took off with you guys, the linkage came off again. Sorry, listen, get the linkage fixed. We're going to wait for you. When you see us, you just keep going and get to the Maryland house, and we'll meet you at the Maryland house, and we'll try to figure out what's going on there. Plus, he was splitting off at the Maryland house anyway with Frank. They were going to Fishers. So... You, you can't be mad at a guy whose bike breaks down, right? I mean, generally, you know, you, you just don't get mad. Really it's depends on why, right? Uh-huh. Ah. We get to the Maryland ah. house. <laughs> we get to the Maryland house, and Jack says to him, so what's going on with the bike? He says, yeah. He goes, you know, there was a recall on this, but I didn't bring it in. Ah, yeah. At that point, he was no longer like, it's okay. I mean, you're like... We were happy he went off to fishes. <laughs> we were actually thinking of having shirts made up that said, hashtag ignore the recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave leave flatline behind. Yeah. Well, you know what? As you said, we're going to get ready to wrap it up. But um, 
you, you talk about the ride down to D.C., so I am going to point out, because we failed to mention this in when we were praising the prospects, the parent chapter prospect who, on his way to the clubhouse to ride down to D.C., was cut off, crashed, slid down the road, walked over to his bike, picked it back up, brushed himself off, and rode to the clubhouse, and then rode down and worked the entire weekend with, you know, an entire chewed-up right arm. It's um, just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound, yeah. Uh, yeah I know, you all denied me calling him the Black Knight because he's uh, Listen, I tried. <laughs> I, I, you and I were on the same page. <laughs> oh, that's I actually, I actually, no, it's actually not going to happen. I, we've been shot down every little way, and I actually <sighs> said it to the prospect the other night at the clubhouse. I said, you know, I, I, we wanted to call you the Black Knight. He thought it was hilarious, but everyone's like, no, you can't do that. Call him the like, Knight who says neat. <laughs> someone, someone shot you down. Yeah. Oof. And and oh, no, it gets, no, no, don't don't, no. Give, don't give him credit, Harry. Don't give him uh, because listen, this is the same guy who um, Smiley, the, one of the worst road names I think ever given. The guy looked exactly like Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future. It was a great road name from him, and they named him Smiley. I well, I, I I will not get into that, but I will yeah. say, but I will say that. Rob didn't have the prospect didn't have a problem with it, but it seems like everyone else did. Yeah. And and the, the the final arbiter of the whole thing was my wife, who who I'm, I explained the story to her, and she's English and Monty Python, and it's really funny. And then she goes, "Is he black?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's the part. Of, that's the." She goes, "No, <laughs> you can't do that." Like, Damn it! But I thought it was funny, and oh, you know, and you talk about not getting mad at a guy, so. <laughs> He runs out of gas, and the guy's like, "Ah, oh, that freaking prospect! He ran out of gas." I'm like, "The guy had an accident. He can be forgiven yeah. for running out of gas." So, so while he's in D.C., I decided to take him and Chapo to go and do a beer run because you know me, I'm always bourbon hunting. So I'm like, "Oh, it's a, we're gonna go to Total Wine," not realizing that uh, Total Wine in Virginia doesn't sell liquor. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. But we we loaded up. Um, uh, Mama Marion's uh, Jeep with, I, I, I'm saying, close to probably 50 cases of beer. So they're all packed in the back of this thing. We put him in the back with his busted-up arm, and we're, we're coming around the corner near the hotel, and all the traffic is stopped for an accident. So I slam on the brakes, and probably 25 of those 50 cases came crashing down on this poor dude. I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this guy's going to stay in the club. Like, Did we have beat the, the balls seriously. off him this weekend. <laughs> Did you see the size of him? He's yeah, yeah. He's a big dude. He's, He's a big dude. A yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, much respect to him, and uh, you know, yep. want to make want to make sure we got that story out. So, well, I think we uh, we accomplished it. We did ourselves a, a good justice talking about DC. You know, hopefully, everybody enjoyed the conversation tonight. I do want to point out that uh, um, you know we need everyone that's listening. We need you all's help. You know, if you enjoy if you're enjoying what we're doing, get out there and share it. Tell your friends about it. You know, put this on in the gym, whatever. Let people listen to it. Let people, you know, we got to keep people listening. You know, if, we're, if there's 19 people listening, you know, it's kind of hard for us to, you know, this isn't easy for us to find three guys to get together once, a, you know, once every two weeks to, to put this together. It's a lot of work for us to do. We love doing it, but we want to make sure we're doing it for people who want to listen to it. So if you can, everyone's on social media. Get out there and share it. Tell people about it. Get people listening. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Slider's still in Facebook jail, so he's going to be a li little limited 
getting it shared this time, but I'm always available. If you don't know how to get people to share it, to listen to it, give me a call. I'll make sure it gets out there. But we want to make sure that people are listening. You know, we're doing all the work to record it. Our awesome executive producer, Amanda Guilfoy, is out there helping us make uh, promos for it and getting stuff out there and teaching me how to hashtag. I, f I feel like such an old man having to say I have to be taught to do some of this stuff. But hashtag three drunken idiots. Yeah, hashtag guy on a buffalo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all this kind of stuff. So, so get out there, share it. If you guys are enjoying it, tell people about it. Give us feedback. But also, you know, tell us what you want to hear. You want to hear us talk about something. Tonight's conversation came from from you know timmy you know it was you know his his thought of you know hey let's talk about riding that's where it came from so we want to hear about it. you want to hear about music you want to hear about riding you want to hear about you know harry's big mountains i don't whatever you want to talk about <laughs> we, we, we'll get out there and we'll talk about it but you know we want to make sure you guys are enjoying it and listening to it and if there's anything we can do to to tweak it a little bit we want to hear it we can take constructive criticism so uh please share it i think uh, i think a big thing is rating it too right you know, rated five stars on all the platforms where you listen to it. Right, right. Get and it out. It's a big there. thing with the algorithms and all of that nonsense. Right. If if people think we're being too club heavy, let let, let us know. We'll talk about something else. If people want to hear more about the club, let us know. We'll talk about it. You want to hear about us? You know, talk about a a, a certain bourbon. You know, we you know we got to get some sponsors. You know, I, you know, right now all we're doing is uh, is talking about the stuff we're doing. You know, I mean, I do want to talk. If about... If you want to hear us talk about a certain bourbon, just you know, exactly. Send it in. You know, buy send it, it in. first. No, <laughs> send it to the PO box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's send us. Yeah, I mean, by all means, you know, I'm 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 happy to receive bourbon to to drink <laughs> it and talk about it. By absolutely, cigars are the same way. You know. Um, you know, we, we really don't have any sponsors. I think the only sponsor we really have is uh, Sneaker Sauce. If you haven't had it, it's amazing. Uh, Eric Sneakers Johnson out of uh, the West Side Chapter makes probably some of the best hot sauce and salsa you'll ever have. Um, you know, we do Taco Tuesday every Tuesday here at the house, and uh, we crush the, uh, the sneaker salsa to the point where, like, I can't eat a taco without putting sneaker salsa on it. So, uh, you know, you know. We're happy to, you know, you got something you guys want to do. I know, uh, you know, I got a uh, Stitchy Poo in the old line. He makes his own hot sauce, too. You know, he's out this there as well. This is good, too. This is very good, man. You know, get out there. You know, this club has got a lot of people in a lot of different, uh, you know, aspects of this world and doing all kinds of great stuff. We're happy to, you know, hey, you guys are doing something. You want to you wanna promote an event coming up. You want to promote, uh, you know, your salsa, whatever it is, let us know. We're happy to get it out there, and uh, we'll help you if you help us. You know, that's how we're looking at it. We love doing this. We love sitting around and talking and making fun of each other and telling stupid stories. So uh, thank you all for listening again. Uh, any parting words from uh, Harry or Steve? Um, uh, I don't no. think so. Uh, um, uh, wherever uh, you go, there you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we still haven't really gotten a, a sign-off. So uh, I'm not quite sure I should have had this much Lagavulin, but um, no, I have nothing to say. <laughs> All right. And uh, Harry, no words of wisdom. <laughs> nope. That's about nope. it. All right, guys. Watch out for the guy in the Buffalo. We love you all, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys again in two weeks. Bye. Good night, guys. All right. All right. Oh.
Watch what you 